0: So I think for me, the number one thing I've seen and I'm predicting for next year is that paid traffic is going to be more about quality and how people engage and use and view your ads. So this year particularly... There's been several cases where, for example, that, you know, on Facebook advertising, the algorithm has just gone nuts and banned a bunch of accounts for very little reason. So I think it's going to be harder and harder going forward to stay on the good side of Facebook. I think they're going to be stricter with everything that they're doing, and they might be tailoring themselves more to a bigger audience or to bigger advertisers, I should say, with bigger budgets.
1: This is Super Fast Business with James Franco, James helping you build your business super fast. James Franco here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 798. Today, I'm chatting with my good friend, Will Wang, who's back for more. Thank you, Will. Thanks again, James. So this episode is about predictions and marketing trends for 2021. We had a tumultuous year in 2020. There were people who did really well. There were people who have had a complete change in situation for the negative, and there'll be plenty of people who are just somewhere in the middle there. By the time this episode comes out, we would have probably ticked over into 2021. It'd be really interesting to see what your take was, especially towards the end of 2020 and What you think is the right sort of things to be focused on for 2021 as marketers, I'm sure you're going to draw on things you're seeing with your own campaigns. As I do, you've got quite a good catchment of data sets and you've got customers who have a lot of customers. So I'm sure what you're focusing on will be really interesting to our listeners and uh, I think we'll have a great conversation around it. So let's kick off. Great.
0: So yeah, so I guess like we, can, we can go straight into what happened in 2020 and what we saw from the market. So obviously, I mean, it's a year for the history books. I've, I don't think there's ever been that much change in terms of not just you know, the world itself, but even in just advertising and all the platforms and how they performed was just such an up and down year. It was a year where not only had, did we have all of the stuff going on with pandemic, but we also had a lot of the changes with the election happening in the U.S. So it really was a year where it was just a whole bunch of ups and downs. Off the back of that, what we saw was, you know, Businesses that were agile, businesses that were good with their messaging and the offer and they could change the way they spoke about their products, they've done really well. So a lot of our clients, you know, when everything happened, everything changed, they took a hit initially for maybe two or three weeks, but then they rapidly implemented new offers new angles, and from there, they're just going from strength to strength with a new message. So we found that the message and the way that we approached the market changed a lot, but the results were really, really good if you did the right thing.
1: I'm interested in two things. One is if you had a difference between predominantly online businesses or online-ready businesses versus more traditional businesses if you work with them. And secondly, what did you actually change with the messaging and I'll just sort of reference that in my own case. I made a change to my business where I put a product underneath my popular product. So underneath Superfast Business, I put an entry-level product, Superfast Results, just to take the stress out of the market and to give somewhere a safe place to fall back to or get started so they didn't have to drop out completely. And it ended up generating a brand new profit division for my business, which I'm sure will be here to stay. And it's really had a positive effect for people who have found me and been able to start on that level without having to jump straight in at the higher level. So that was one of the changes I made. But my messaging switched more to one of support. And as a coach where there's some elasticity in the service I provide, I noticed in 2020 people were drawing on my resource that they were paying for far more than in any prior year. So I had to be very, very careful about time boxing my own capacity to deliver. And one of the other significant changes was I switched off Silver Circle to public applicants so that I could spend that time with my current partners and making sure that I service the members that I have in Superfast Business as best I possibly can. Of course, the existing members. But I did notice just back to that industry question – The ones of mine who are most affected were in businesses that were more offline oriented and one that comes to mind is someone who's in the trade show market. Mm. He got stopped dead in his tracks and there's very little he could do about it
0: initially. Yeah, I mean, for certain markets, obviously, they're still not back to where, where they were. In terms of the offline versus online... I think initially when things started changing, you know, the hit was kind of both offline and online because people ultimately stopped spending. There was a lot of uncertainty. People just wanted to hang on to their money just to see what was going on. And I think it more lent itself towards, you know, being secure, being safe, having peace of mind rather than going and going with a growth peace of mind. So both the offline and also online businesses we've worked with, they both got hit, you know, quite hard initially, but the online bounced back a lot faster. That being said, though, we have seen some offline businesses adapt their ways and really accelerate the change and their push to go online and the ones that have driven the change a lot faster, they've just really bounced back super strongly, especially as people start getting used to buying online. For example, you know the mortgage industry used to be very much offline meetings, your local area only. We've had a few clients which took their business for it to Zoom. And because everyone else in the world is more used to Zoom, they've grown so massively and they've just expanded rapidly as well and outside of their usual area. So I feel like depending on the industry, some are obviously still a little bit harder to recover from. For travel, for instance, that hasn't quite come back to where it is. But if there's a way to adapt online and deliver services in a very different way... I found that those companies really succeeded quite well, especially towards the back part of 2020 and um, especially in November and December.
1: We did a few podcasts in the middle of the year with, um, there was Kyle Meads who had the he switched from an in person health provision to telecare. We had another speaker who's an expert at speaking who switched to doing Zooms and doing teleconferences. So I think some of the early movers, these were happening sort of in, in May, June, July, like very quickly. A lot of the laggards probably took their time. What I'm curious about is how much were businesses propped up with government support, and it's going to vary from country to country, and where do you think the market ended at the end of 2020 versus what the reality is? You know, there may be an inflationary thing or a sort of a hidden element, so to speak, because of that support certainly in Australia, it's provided benefits for employers to subsidize them if their businesses dropped 30%, I think it is. I think other countries have got some kind of benefits or provisions. And then of course, some markets or countries are in completely different situation regarding the pandemic. Some are in lockdown, other ones are sort of out and about doing their thing and vaccines have come to the discussion. So where do you think the market sits in reality compared to what people think it is?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. I think... In some places, for example, in Australia here, I think the market isn't doing too badly. There was some assistance. A lot of that's been phased out unless they're in really, you know, very affected industries. And it seems that where consumers and people in the country are spending more money. Well, retail spend, like online retail off through the roof, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And I find that, you know, it's, it's really funny because I think some people, because they couldn't spend when they were on lockdown and they were at home, they've saved up the money and now they're spending to make up for that. So in some of the industries, like retail, tell you know, it's really come back quite strongly and I think a lot of smart business owners have used that period where they did get some help from the government to adapt and to be flexible and to plan for the future. I guess it kind of comes back to you know when you spoke earlier about having different product lines come in and different services that you provided. That's one thing that we saw that worked really well this year too. So even um, within Growth Labs, we weren't doing too much of this previously, but we brought in the whole consulting division. We had a division where we sold information, which we hadn't done previously. It was you know, really exclusive to our agency Done For You clients. And that this year was really took off. And one of the other things I've seen across my clients is the change in messaging from growth to just you know, talking to the people about having options, not being caught out, being able to have peace of mind going to the future. So that all kind of ties back into it. And I think a lot of smart businesses use, you know, the help that they got externally to tailor their message and to change it into the right way so that even now I'm thinking, you know, the growth that they've been having, it's really helped them to step up in the market and to differentiate from everyone else. So even if all the help drops out, some of the businesses have done the right thing, they're going to continue growing.
1: And there'll probably be less competitors. Uh, Some markets will have a big pullback. I know retail stores are having a bit of a tough time. There will be less competition for people who go, you know, and re-establish in that market. The message you're talking about here that you shifted to for your clients is one of here are your choices. So it's an empowerment message. It's a security in the future type message. Do you see customers pull back on their marketing spend or accelerate their marketing spend? And I say this because... I feel it's probably a temptation for a lot of businesses to cut marketing expense, you know, that whole deep pocket short arms type scenario, Mm -hmm. whereas (laughs) I know some of our friends in the event industry, they just went all in on webinars and were spending millions of dollars on ads during the lockdown period Mm -hmm. where they just had a never before captive audience ready to receive their message. They just converted instantly. So do you notice most people spend less or more?
0: It was actually quite mixed as well. For my clients, certainly, a lot of them started spending more than they have ever before and especially the ones who were able to pivot online. So I've got a client who runs really big events. They make a lot of their revenue through events and it used to be in person. They used to have to fly their entire team across the world to different locations because you know this year, because everyone's actually paying attention to online events and they can take the time out and get more people on board and they didn't have the expense of having to fly the team and you know, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. They took the cost that they would have had to incur previously and put that straight into ads and the returns came through faster than when they used to have to run live events so companies like that i found actually spent way more just because there were less expenses coming through Whereas others, if they were a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more gun-shy, so to speak, I find that they did spend a little bit less. But as soon as they kind of caught on to what everyone else was doing, I think most industries came back to where it was before. It almost reminds me, I'm not sure if I told this story before in the podcast. I used to work at a media company in Australia, an outdoor billboard company. And during the global financial crisis, when all of their competitors were shutting their doors and the salespeople weren't taking clients out or treating their clients and selling, the CEO of that company came in and doubled the credit card limits on every single salesperson in the company and subsequently got them out the door, got them selling, got them talking to people and they grew their market share so rapidly. And you know, now they're like the biggest outdoor advertising company in Australia and that whole mentality of growing when everyone else is thinking about shrinking, the Warren Buffett mentality of you know if everyone's greedy, it's time to be fearful. When everyone's fearful, it's time to be greedy. That played itself out this year as well.
1: One of my old flatmates, uh, best friend, worked for a pharmaceutical company and they had a pretty much unlimited credit card. Uh, to entertain doctors to take them to the theater, to buy them gifts. You know, that was the way, the way of business, the old grease the wheel. I'm sure it's changed now many, many years later. Isn't it interesting? I remember back in 2005 when I still had a job, Mercedes-Benz were sort of budgeting and cutting back on their costs and they stopped flying up from Melbourne to Sydney and they started doing go-to meetings. So they were doing this 15 years ago to pull back on expenses. But I think the market went through a point where there was no choice And I would say 2020 was the year when a lot of people from my past came back out and said, hey, James, would you like to have a coffee? Tell me more about this thing you do online. Because suddenly they discovered our world, this secret world of working from home, working on your own business, having a lot of freedom and flexibility, and leveraging the power of the internet. Things like these podcasts where you can have millions of people listen to an audio that was recorded once and it just gets played over and over again. Now, what I want to ask you now, Will, is very important. And I want you to have this frame in mind. Later on in 2021... I think we'll play back some snippets from this podcast episode, which is episode seven ninety eight. And I'm gonna ask you what you see happening with your special crystal ball for twenty twenty one. And we're gonna play some of those snippets and then later on in twenty twenty one we're gonna review what actually happened. So it's not like we'll just forecast and forget about it. I'm just I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire on this. <laughs> we wanna know what do you see from your position? And of course I'm a bit tongue in cheek here. I know you you can't possibly know. But there's definitely got to be some inklings you have that you're going to operate on and to navigate with your clients. What's that look like for you?
0: Yeah, definitely. And happy to put this out there as well. I guess this is kind of like surfing when you see a wave coming. You know, you might not be able to pick every single one, but at least you can, from the trends and the shape of it, you can kind of predict what's going to happen going forward.
1: Wave selection is so critical. That's the difference between mm. an amazing ride to the beach or getting rolled in the whitewash for 80 meters under the water. So, <laughs> Yeah, choosing the right one. But yes, you're right. You can actually see it. I talked about this on a few episodes before. Where you and I live and surf, there are a few indicators. Like there's a reef off the coast. And when you see it, the waves pop up on the reef, you could literally count down to when it arrives. So you can see it. But most novice surfers cannot see that way. They can't see it until it's too late and they get caught by it, caught inside and they get rolled by it. So I'm definitely looking at the indicators. I've got an audience of listeners all around the world. I cope hundreds of people on a very regular basis. So I'm definitely feeling the spidey senses of where to move. But if you and I combine forces, I'm sure we can come up with something useful here.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think for me, the number one thing i have seen and I'm predicting for next year is that paid traffic is going to be more about quality and how people engage and use and view your ads. So this year particularly, There's been several cases where, for example, on Facebook advertising, the algorithm has just gone nuts and banned a bunch of accounts for very little reason. So I think it's going to be harder and harder going forward to stay on the good side of Facebook. I think they're going to be stricter with everything that they're doing and they might be tailoring themselves more to a bigger audience or to bigger advertisers, I should say, with bigger budget.
1: I've also heard Harlan Kilstein say that if you have a topic or a subject matter that Facebook doesn't agree with, It's just not going to fly. You are going against the grain and you will be stopped. So, you know, you want to hope that you're in a market that is favorable. There are lots of examples of markets that literally can't run ads on that platform. I suppose that leaves other platforms. But also, in some cases, it just means you might have to put a product or an offer in front of the thing you actually want to sell to move people to it off the platform so that you can oh, gee, own the race course, perhaps, and control the marketing communication and feed it from these platforms. So that's a really interesting one. So you're saying that it's going to be harder to advertise on some of these platforms. The rules might get stricter or tighter. Basically, it sounds like there's a quality inflation. Mm. Quality level, whatever whatever 2020's level was is the minimum now. And 2021, the bar is going to get lifted higher.
0: Yeah, I think conversions are actually going to get harder as well. So I was going to use the exact same phrase, which you always use, uh, own the rest course. So Facebook can now see so far down your funnel in terms of the language you're using, everything you're doing, that what we're seeing with our clients is that it's almost a branding platform now rather than a direct conversion platform, which it used to be you know, even two or three years ago. Now what we see is if we can pull people from Facebook ads or any of these other platforms onto our email list, we now own that email list. We now control the conversation. And that's the way that we're getting most of the conversions. And certainly, you know, the most profitable conversions are coming when we have people from our email list directly. Rather than trying to sell something to them straight from a Facebook ad. So I think that's going to be the case. I think as Facebook starts to favor the bigger advertisers, you know, for them, and obviously this is just speculation, but it's almost like they're doing a 2080 for themselves and going, which 20% of our customers are giving us 80% of the revenue? And it's always these big advertisers. Yeah, it's not us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's the multinationals spending
1: millions per month. I love it when people like jump up and down. Oh, Facebook banned me and I'm a good customer There's, You know, I spend 50000 a month on ads. I'm like, dude, that is not even a drop in the Pacific Ocean for what someone else spends. So like they don't even know your name. Forget about it. I agree with you on this one. I think it's harder to sell something direct like you'll see for my own ads, which I'm actually spending more on ads now because it's easy to spend money on ads at the moment with a lot of people out of the game. I'm driving people to things like challenges and to small ticket or free opt-ins. I want the email because the email is useful for me and I can wait. I can wait 30, 60, 90 days, 180 days. I can wait a year. In the most extreme cases, I've waited eight years to make a sale. I'm a patient man. (laughs) I'm playing the long game here. But yeah, so you'll see the effective strategy around moving people from a platform to your own email database is the play and doing it for an acquisition cost that you can afford to run with and get a payback on in a reasonable time frame. I think that's what
0: you're saying. Yep, I think that's the biggest trend. That's the biggest wave that I see. Um, and it's the biggest thing that makes the most difference. You know, just thinking back to when we were in, in the Maldives together surfing and one of the terms I learned from you was a cleanup wave. This wave comes through and just cleans up everyone waiting for the surf. And I think that's going to be coming sooner rather than later as well. Hmm. So just on that, one of the other things that I'm hearing from Facebook and from these other platforms are that they're looking to take control of the pixel back from advertisers. So the pixels are a really important part of Facebook advertising. It allows us to retarget and do everything like that. And as advertisers, we've got a lot of control over where we put the pixel and how we use it at the moment. So Facebook is looking at the data and looking at how people get access to the data as well. And there's some grumblings that they're not or they're going to change the way that pixels are used by quite a bit. So one of the other things we're looking at is how do we get in front of that trend and how do we get so good at targeting the way that Facebook likes that we're not as dependent on the pixel itself. And again, part of that comes back to getting people onto our email list loading that email list back into Facebook and creating the right audiences from an external source.
1: So the old school way is just to do segmentation, right? To have a specific offer that appeals to a specific type of person and then tag them in your internal email database to have a different communication with that person than you do for a different offer with a different tag or segmentation. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I think it's likely with all of the privacy challenges, with the attention that the big platforms are getting in regards, to how much control and data they're actually managing. Things like Cambridge Analytica brought a lot of that to the light. There's the, I keep seeing Zuckerberg in front of the government departments trying to explain <laughs> how Facebook works. And they're trying to break up, at, you know, in the, the end of 2020, they're talking about breaking up Instagram from Facebook, et cetera. There's a good chance that they won't let you have as much manipulation of pixels and data and audiences. So, again, get them back into a segmented email database is still a great strategy in 2021. Email's not going anywhere. Mm. We talked about that in a previous episode. We should probably operate our business on the assumption that pixels or cookies or the ability for you to do some of the things you're doing right now. Will no longer be an option in the future. If you can build your business around that now, then you'll be strong if that happens. Mm. Now, of course, use it in the meantime. But don't be reliant upon it. Don't be at that point where if they say, "Look, we're no longer doing the whole pixel thing," or you know, cookies are finished, then you're not going to cry and say, "Oh, it's their fault. It's the big bad platform. You know, they've ruined my business." No, mm. you'd be ruining your own business if you built it based on the presumption that's going to be there forever. And often these things get taken away. Great prediction.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this is going to be another prediction, but partnerships and content the partnership content especially is gonna be way more powerful going forward. I mean the best example is is what we do. Right. You know, you've got an amazing audience and for me to get my message out there to as many people as possible, it's so good to just, you know, jump on the podcast and share my knowledge. And I think that's gonna be really powerful definitely in twenty twenty one and going forward as well. I think the market or a lot of what's happening at the moment is there have been people who have been around and they've got a track record and their audience really trusts them. Um as it's getting a little bit more crowded as it's getting harder to build an audience from scratch these people have already set themselves up in a really good you know they've, they've already proven themselves and they've been around for a long term like for yourself you know for example you've been around for years and years, proven track record, really customer focused. And I think a lot of people are looking to you for guidance. And for someone up and coming or for a new audience, it's always a little bit harder to get that guidance. So I feel like the partnerships in terms of helping each other's audiences, partnerships in terms of going onto each other's podcast, sharing content with each other, collaborations, that's going to be something that we see more and more of. I mean, certainly with some of the YouTubers that I follow and watch, they're doing more collabs, they call it, I guess, with other YouTubers with a similar size audience and similar themed audience and I think that's going to take off a little bit more in 2021 as well.
1: Yeah back in episode 796 I did a collaboration with Matt and Joe from Hustle and Flowchart where we record the episode and they publish it and I publish it on our shows. so we're actually helping each other cross-pollinate the audience We are building a strong bridge and connection. But I agree with you. This is a great prediction. I'm betting on this because I've stopped taking the Silver Circle coaching students in order to focus on my partnerships. People like you and some of the other special guests I keep bringing back to the show, I have got a distribution platform. I've got a strong listenership. I guess I've got the ability to keep publishing two podcasts every week. And as long as people keep listening to it and as long as it keeps working for everybody... I'll do that and I can't possibly be an expert in every single thing and certainly like someone like you, Will, you've just got so much talent in specific fields, especially relating to building databases, creating offers that convert, scaling those offers, buying traffic, doing copywriting. Um, you do it in a bespoke highly effective custom way that your customers benefit from. You don't have mass volume customers, but the ones you've got are crushing it. So I love working with collaborations like that where we can work together. I find the customers, you look after them and we both benefit. That's a great partnership. And uh, I think when I'm doing things like the collaboration with Matt and Joe, that's actually building my distribution for all my partners. That's my focus now. My focus is to build distribution And this is something one of my mentors taught me, the same mentor who taught me own the race course, the same mentor who taught me no compromise, the same mentor who told me incredible things that helped me throughout my most formative management and leadership career. He said that, you know, basically you want to build these conduits, these pipelines between mm-hmm. the product supplier and the distribution point. And you want to build these big conduits and make them strong. And that's what I've got. I've built this conduit that someone like you can arrive into, and I am absolutely certain... Every time we publish this podcast, someone has listened to it and and said, Will Wang is exactly the right person to grow my business. I'm happy to pay him. I'll do whatever he says and I will benefit from this investment. They've never heard of you before the show and then because I'm talking to you, And I think they know that I'm fussy with my suppliers. Mm. We say no every single day to podcast requests. I just don't want most of the people who want to be on the show. And then I ask you, like, Will, would you like to come along and share some (laughs) stuff? And you're like, yes, I'll do that. Because you can then focus on just looking after your customers and not trying to do what we do, which is to build up a huge podcast and to get it out there to everyone. Like, I have a little army who's supporting us in this venture. And I've got 10 years worth of runway building up to the momentum that we've got now. So this is a great collaboration. So prediction noted, there'll be more collaborations and partnerships. I did notice on some of the Instagram ads that I'm getting tagged if I'm a partner or a co-collaborator. So it seems like they're also keen to disclose partnerships now.
0: Yeah, I think... The openness in terms of the market is something we're going to be seeing more of as well. Even earlier in 2020, there were still those ads running with people in front of their Lamborghinis and stuff like that. And <laughs> they
1: rented Lamborghini in their Airbnb mansion for the day.
0: Oh, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, it's just plain stu- stupidity. And I think the market <laughs> has actually, throughout this year, I'm seeing less of that. So I think there's a certain maturity. There's a certain difference in language going forward as well. It is all about openness, transparency. I and mean, I think the people who are the most upfront and honest and you know, who prioritize their people the most, I feel like word of mouth is going to be so much stronger. I mean, I feel like all of the old school stuff is going to come back and be so much stronger, like direct mail, even just running simple lead magnets and oh. eBooks, all of that stuff.
1: Direct mail is huge. One of my students is an e-commerce expert and he taught one of my other students a postcard campaign. I observed that and then I transplanted that technique for one of my other customers who sent out thousands of postcards to his audience. And these postcards had a stratospheric return on investment because when you think about it, you're not getting anything in the post. The post is dying. So when you do get something, it's pretty special. You've got a massive open rate, high cut through. You're right there with your message with a special redeemable offer, super trackable. I definitely agree with you. Direct response will make a big comeback. It also just reminded me something here, you know, in terms of messaging. There was a period in 2020 where you almost couldn't say anything without fear of upsetting people or getting cancelled out. There were sensitivities around races, there were sensitivities around politics. There were sensitivities around brands that were sexist, even changed food labels in Australia for some of the products. There was like public outrage at at some of the things that have just gone on and never been questioned. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I mean, it happened. And it also looked like some people were getting in trouble for not saying something. So there's like this impossible scenario. You get in trouble for saying something. Someone's going to be upset with you. You get in trouble for not saying something because someone's going to get upset with you a lot of people I think just went to ground and just let's ride it out and now maybe they feel it's safer to wade back in the water. I mean the things that were big issues when there were riots going on and, and boycotts and all this stuff it, like it seems to have just passed again it's, it's like nothing happened but I do think there was a big outrage recently one of the Formula 1 drivers was seen in a video sort of reaching back and doing something to one of his female passengers that was outrageous and this is in an organisation that strongly pushes equality for every one and you know he got slapped big time for that and I think that's an example of like that probably wouldn't have been an issue a year before so how much do you think the legal team has to be involved now and how much do you think a company has to be careful about the messaging they're putting out because we still see some big companies put out messages that get slammed like Mm. totally out of character or poor taste and they didn't realize it till it's too late.
0: Yeah, it is a lot tougher. And um, with most of my clients, the bigger the clients are, the more the PR and legal team gets involved because there are more significant consequences and there are people out there who unfortunately are just looking for an easy pay date. So they'll, you know, try and sue and all this stupid stuff. But at the same time, I feel like some of the marketing that we've done this year has been very, um, let's just call it putting our stake in the ground, where we call out the audience that this isn't for. And that's worked really, really well. Not in the way that's going to polarize them and annoy people and things like that more of a courtesy yeah it's just like don't waste your time if, you, if you're this exactly just calling out who our people are and letting everyone else know i'm sorry but this really isn't for you in a marketing term it's called dog whistling to your audience but the people who you are targeting they just respond so much better because they just feel closer to you as you're calling out the audience and everyone else we don't want them anyway But now we're actively saying that this isn't for you. So we're kind of building that fence around ourselves. We're building that fence and only inviting in our ideal client base. And that's worked really, really effectively. But it is something that we're going to have to juggle more and more of, I think. Cancel culture is one of those annoying things where, you know, you just never know. But we can mitigate that as much as we can. And I think if we put our stake in the ground, if we call out who it is we're trying to serve, they'll understand. And everyone else, I don't think, you know, from a market's point of view, I don't want to worry about everyone else. I just want to worry about the people we really want. To help
1: and it does have that velvet rope type policy where for example a higher priced product if it excludes people who are not ready for their product yet the people who it is for will like it even more mm. because they think well i don't want the product if everyone else can have it i want some exclusivity i want some prestige you know i certainly have some experience in that market uh, like you know the very high priced mercedes-benz or amgs would fit into that category mm. the fact that it's not for everyone is what makes it so appealing Okay, what other predictions,
0: if any, have you got for us before we wrap, Will? So my predictions are that companies who use multi-channel in their marketing, is they're going to get way better returns than ever before. Multi-channel, not just being digital, but you know, going through emails, going offline, sending people things in the post. I feel like this year especially, well, 2021, is all going to be about customer experience and the buying experience. So the experience that happens even before someone turns into a customer that's going to be the biggest differentiator between businesses. Then just sensible marketing, letting the algorithms and the platforms do their thing, having really good copy, having really strong stories and messages. And I think if you can you know, just focus on the customer, tell the right stories, build your brand, that's going to be really important going forward.
1: I think it has been a secret, especially for digital businesses. In my business for the last 10 years, we send out physical things in the mail. We have in-person live events. I do an element of telephone calls. We have different digital formats from podcasting through to the blog, through to the the memberships. So we are taking advantage of multiple marketing modalities and creating more of an experience. So I remember way back when I still had a job reading a book called "The Experience Economy." Now we're hearing marketers talk about the experience. now, in you know twenty twenty one, This is becoming a trend. So isn't that interesting how, you know, I've been able to ride that one for a long time. And also community. I think things that have community elements are still going to be strong. And I know a lot of people got worn out with social media in 2020 and too much uh, division, especially in the US market, pitting people against each other. I think they'll just loosen up a bit and find their little balance that works for them. And I still think that's going to be interesting. But the big message here is do some offline activities, mix up your modalities, find someone who's good at different disciplines than what you're currently tapping into, like Will, for example, and get help. So, uh, Will, thank you for coming along and sharing your predictions. Is there anything you want, want to finish on to leave as, as a thought that we should be really contemplating as we embark on 2021
0: as marketers? My thought would just be to test more, to test from a human perspective. You don't need to have 50 upsells on the back of a single purchase. You can take your time. <laughs> hey, you really shouldn't. If you listen to this and
1: you've got 50 upsells, stop
0: it, please. <laughs> yeah, but I think just be human. It's more about the experience now. It's more about telling your story. The platforms aren't going to get any easier. They aren't going to get any cheaper. So you've got to be better and not so reliant on someone else's platform. You've got to own the race course. I think that's more powerful than it's ever been before.
1: Good news for me and for you. Thank you, Will. That's Will Wang from growthlabswithaz.com. This is episode 798. We've been talking about predictions and marketing trends for 2021. This is part of the Get Clients series Will and I have been doing over many, 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 many episodes and we will continue to do so. So if you've got a question for Will or you have a topic suggestion, just send me an email, james at superfastbusiness.com. Let me know what you would like me to grill Will over we should have a grill will session uh and i'll take <laughs> fun. you know listener questions and i'll just read them out to you and you can answer them off the top of your head because you're that good and until next time will i hope you have a good surf today and i'll speak to you
0: soon thanks again so much james discover how to build your business
1: super fast check out super fast